Americans have enjoyed a holiday of abundance. Many of us have funneled turkey into our gobblers with mirth and glee. But what if you lived in a place where food was less abundant? That's where the spirit of thankfulness comes in. At the bottom of the sea, the pelican eel really does become a funnel to make the most of the marine snow that trickles down from above. But this year, we can all be thankful that we don't live in the deep ocean for our entire life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our patrons, to Tristan Taylor, Jesse Raspolich, Kale Raspolich, and Richard Kaspar. Thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for helping us keep the lights on. And today we're talking about a big-mouthed, deep-living, inflatable tube man. But more on that later. That's a good nickname. I should have thought of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, speaking of that, what are we talking about and what are you calling it? We're talking the talking about the pelican eel and so make make of that what you will end of episode um it's also known as the <laughs> gulper eel the pelican gulper or the umbrella mouth gulper which is 100 percent some sort of resident evil boss okay and mostly because the uh the evil corporation in resident evil is called umbrella but also like a mouth gulper like this giant mouthed creature made from a bioweapon that attacks you perfect technically um, we're all mouthed creatures but a giant mouthed creature <laughs> a giant mouthed creature <laughs> is a giant mouthed creature so it's like anything that's big that has a mouth or yeah. something normal that has a big mouth Yeah, that's semantic ambiguity using sure. my linguistics degree to bore everyone to tears we're gonna call it <laughs> we're gonna call it here the demon tadpole of the deep and pella can't bite off more than he can chew <laughs> that's fair I that's fair it's pretty good st stretching the, the mouth the definition of a nickname that uh, like that's not <laughs> something he would have in high school it's just too long <laughs> what about the 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 gulping gu guppy guppy Demon Temple of the Deep. That's something that he would like put on a on on a on a standard as he rode into battle. Well, that's gonna. The, it's funny you said demon because there's there's something later for for that. Cool, cool, um, cool. Let's taxonomize this in that okay. case. Um, it's in the kingdom. You know it. You love it. You're in it. It's the kingdom Animalia. Of course, it always is. The phylum is Chordata. It's not always that Chordata, but it often is. <clears throat> the class is Actinopterygy. It's an eel. It's a fish, technically. And this is bony fish. Um, the order is Anguilliformes. Uh, the family is Europhangidae. Am I? You're a Farin 
You're you're, you're a farin today. I'm a fan today of this fish. You're this a, eel. You are a farin today. <laughs> that sounds like a some sort of like Shakespearean pickup line. Pig, pig Latin pickup line. Um, <laughs> uh, the the genus is uh, Europharynx, which is that sounds like a a pig Latin put down. Swear, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you like that's one of the first things you learn as a kid is a pig Latin put down. Pig Latin put down is my band name in high school. <laughs> that's, that's your band name in high school. <laughs> yeah, it's like hey, you know. We're, we're pig latin put down that's what you would coming, say coming up is sleeping on the roof um <laughs> the species is pelicanoides so uropharynx pelicanoides um it says we're in the business of naming things i figured it's time for my favorite part of the show critter groups the part of the show where i ask Gujo a question and that question is the same every time what is the name of a group of this animal or what is the term of venery or what is the collective noun i looked up all of the eels that we have done and we have not done this one yet really for the sargassum we didn't we didn't yeah we did the european eel we've done the ribbon eel we've done the electric eel um we've huh. done one more but we haven't we've done several yeah. eels not very long ago yeah it is not uh but we haven't done this uh this this term of venery so okay. if you saw a group of eels would you say a it is a grate of eels b it's a fry of eels c it's a slip of eels or d it's a nuzzle of eels slip is good i like slip my gut is telling me uh fry but i think that's another animal Fry, final answer. Ding, ding, ding. You're correct again. Yeah. Double feature. You always go with your gut. I really, really, really wanted to say slip. Because <laughs> it's a good term of venery for an eel. But you know what? You go with your gut and it's never. You go you go with your gut and you're never wrong. That's, that is, you take that to the. That's a folk wisdom. That you know. that is patently false. <laughs> Only if you don't believe, dude. That is Only if you don't false. believe. Um, if your gut is right, it will be right all the time. And, and that's, that's why true. you need. And that's why you need to eat yogurt and maintain good gut flora and fauna. Exactly. Yes. Um. A well, a fry is like a um a, a young. Fish. salmon wow yeah, yeah okay so Maybe that's what i was thinking of um but yes a fry is a, a group of eels as well let's talk about what this guy looks like um this is the uh, basically the epitome of a deep sea monster just not gigantic and whenever i see like these deep sea fish that look just bonkers you imagine them being these huge sea mm -hmm. monsters but That's really the they're just a phobia they're, they're the size of yeah regular fish part of my yeah philosophobia is the idea of like a mile long version of this thing just lurking at the bottom of the ocean looking up at me and deciding whether or not i'm a morsel worth like moving for or or even just swallowing you as detritus like you're so small to it that 
whether it gets you or not is very little to him. Like you're just swimming and then suddenly like the 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 gray blue mist of the ocean just like you start to see a little bit of definition and then you mm-hmm. realize that like your entire horizon is moving towards you. Right, right. That's and it's that's a, like um, it's the mouth of something. That's like a little bit of the existential dread of like a uh um uh like the Cthulhu what's that guy's name? The Cthulhu monster guy? Oh, Lovecraft. The Lovecraft Lovecraftian horror that's like something so big it doesn't even care and it can destroy you utterly. Well, and that's that's the whole idea of of Love Lovecraft's um pantheon of the, the whole his whole like uh um the 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 cosmology that's what it is the old ones yeah yeah the his his idea like lovecraftian ideas these these ancient gods that sleep for thousands of years under the ocean and the only reason why they haven't killed us yet um is because they don't care it doesn't matter they, they don't care Right. Um, there's, yeah. And if you if you look up pictures of if you t- just type in Cthulhu and look through all the pictures, like there's some where it's just like you have this tiny ship just floating on the surface. And it's like a whole, you know, galleon. It's like a big ship. And then just below the waves is this massive octopus demon. Mm-hmm. And man, that's that's that is an unnerving picture to me. Um, yeah, I know it's not, not real. Yeah. <laughs> but and it's Giant funny that thi- my there's something about my suspension of disbelief that just will not allow giant things into it. But the thing is there, I mean, there are really big things. There's like, you know, hundred foot long blue whales that would suck to be in the water. Swallowed by a different, there's a, it's a different situation. And it's also interesting that like there is this thing, such thing as deep sea gigantism, but nothing that rivals like a blue whale. You would think that, live that just like that some things could get just monstrously huge down there um but you need and, uh, and you need nourishment you need toros meat yeah like, when you <laughs> when you <laughs> when you realize that like things need to eat food uh big things need to eat a lot of food um then it's like okay well never mind then i, I guess uh, <laughs> yeah there, there isn't a lot of food down there Unless you're in that deep scattering layer, and you're but and you're able to get that stuff. This this podcast has shown us that life uh, finds a way. So that's true. Um, you, you you you, I I can totally picture like an alternate universe where we're talking about like a seven hundred foot long like angler fish that lives at the bottom of the ocean and we're like how does this thing exist down there like what does it mm-hmm. eat and it's like oh this thing only needs to eat like once every 600 years and then you're just like and and we talk about its metabolism or something like that and it's like yeah it could live in space it could live in the earth's core it's just it's it's, a, it's it really is an ancient lovecraftian god that's just waiting to devour all of civilization so um yeah the closest thing we got is the greenland shark yeah and it's not big; oh. it's just old. Well, it's. Oh, we said a lot of words, and I haven't actually described this thing yet. <laughs> okay, say some words and describe it. 
And if you've ever read Lovecraft, that's exactly what he does. <laughs> he, says a, he says a lot of words and never actually describes it. He spends a lot of time talking about how undescribable something is. Um, but a lot, it, the whole point is it's like the knowledge of the the more knowledge you gain about the old ones, you just go insane just even trying to comprehend it. Um, but still, it's like it's infuriating to read something and be like, "Tell me what this thing looks like, so I can imagine it." It's <laughs> he doesn't really do that very often. Anyway, this would have been this this particular the pelican eel would have been a particularly perfect addition to the "There's Always a Bigger Fish" scene from Star Wars Episode One. Yes, um, its t- its tail is long and thin and snake like, um, and like most eels, it's got it, this the it's got this serpentine tail that's a flat ribbon on its edge so vertically um and this tail is lined with these little tentacles that look like hairs um and it has a bioluminescence section at the end of its tail that gives off red and pink flashes of light uh, that are theorized to be used for communication and luring prey even though um it's this light is at the end of its tail and not exactly well positioned to eat anything that's near its tail. Like, it, it would have to kind of contort itself in a way that doesn't make much sense. You would think that its lights would be near its face if it wanted to, like an like an anglerfish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, its body is is reminiscent of the black anglerfish in so much as that it's basically just one large head with an even bigger evil smile. Um, and it has two teeny tiny eyes, which is unusual for something that lives at the bottom of the ocean with low light areas. Usually they have big eyes in order to take in as much light as possible. That's not the case with the pelican eel. They have, they actually have really good olfactory senses. They can smell things really well. Um, and they have two ridiculous looking little pectoral fins sticking out the side, like an anglerfish that are used for steering. Um, so just imagine a mouth, giant unhinged mouth with two little eyes and a really long whip tail. And you've got the pelican eel. Um, so it is not a 600 foot long um, Lovecraftian monster. It's not that big. So how big is it? Well... Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio yourself saying, singing, or chattering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week. Can you believe it? So I can't. <laughs> instead, we're going to hear from an animal and Carlos is going to guess what it is. So, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. What sounds like the plumbing at the house I just was I just bought. It was the plumbing. Do I have to fill in the blank on this one too? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Give me I thought you were supposed to meet me halfway. Guess. Um I don't know. Can I what narrow it down for me? Lives in the ocean. Oh, okay. Um some sort of cetacean. Mm-hmm. Call it a Uh, I don't know, like a dugong. Ah, there we go. Dugong. It's a dugong. Dugong? Final answer. Like a manatee, a thin manatee? A yeah. Manate- a keto manatee? <laughs> slim, <laughs> slim, man- the, the real slim manatee. Yeah. Uh, final answer? Barbara manatee. Um, yeah. That's incorrect. It's a blue whale. It's very cool. Oh, wow. I even mentioned blue it sounds like a chip's horn, like in the yeah, distance. Yeah, foghorn. Um, very cool. Um, let's talk about length. So, they're zero point seven meters or two point five feet. How many pelican eels go into the distance? Louis Mater. Mater. It really says Mater. But it's not, well, it's not, oh, it's A-R. Uh, the distance Louis Matar drove in 1952 without stopping. Here's a hint. Louis Tomei. I think my sister-in-law has a, has a, has a Louis Matar purse. <laughs> uh, Louis Matar modified his... 1947 Cadillac for five years before he and two other men drove the car across the country and back without stopping. I used to need the other people to like pass around the pee cups. It's not just that. So how did they fuel? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the 40, this is the fifties. Um, so you got to change the oil. You got to change the radiator fluid like constantly. So, uh, the caddy a- automatically refills the radiator to change the oil. Ha- it has a drilled axle so the wheels can be inflated while they're turning. Um, hydraulic jacks could raise the car to allow the wheels to be changed while moving. What? Uh, How so is this thing? Also, um, Do they slow more- to like one mile an hour and figure this Maybe. out? For more and then they get out of the repairs. car and like just okay. I'm I'm a little less impressed. But whatever. For for more complicated r- repairs and adjustments, the hood featured clear panels which allow the driver to keep going while the two other passengers fiddle around under the bonnet, standing on movable platforms attached to the side of the car. So they they didn't get out. The the uh, the, the challenge is over if you step on the ground. I got to see this. Um, I think you can see it in person at a museum. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look at a picture on the internet is what I'm going to do. Um, what am I what, what am I comparing this to? The the length of the trip? The yeah. Okay. You so said from one end of the country to the other. Mhm. I'm pretty sure what was it like um 6,000 miles I think from sea to shining sea if I remember right. So we'll call it twelve thousand miles. Times five thousand two hundred and eighty feet divided by two point five. Twenty-five 
million, 25.3 million eels, pelican eels. It was the length of that glorious and not at all uncomfortable trip. Uh, that's incorrect. What a surprise. The correct answer is, well, your estimation was 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 off. So, like, uh, it's 13,347,840 eels. So, without so stopping, uh, they drove from San Diego to New York and back for a total of 6,320 miles. So, that's, that's a little... What? Yeah, so San Diego to New York is... 2,761 miles. Why did I think it was 6,000 miles? I don't know. San Francisco to like Maine would be would be longer. No, San Francisco's up north. San Diego's north, like way it's, down there. Yeah, it's norther, but it's also it's also wester. Interesting. I thought that they drove from like San Francisco to Charleston or whatever, whatever is on the same latitude. No. Um, uh, yeah. So that, yeah. 6,320 miles. Quite a long trip for a car. It is. Yeah. I would not have wanted to be one of the stanky bros that were inside that car for like <laughs> not, four Why days would it be stanky? No. Like, why, why would it be four days? They didn't stop. Oh, wait. Okay, so it's, it's about 6,000 miles. If, if they didn't... If they, six. Like, if, if they went 60 miles an hour the whole time without stopping, it would take them four days to make that trip. It's 41 hours. What? 41 hours. Wait, how long is the this trip? The I-40. You... S- 41 hours. Well, I'm looking at a modern map. It says 41 hours. Oh, but like in the 60s or the 50s. You're not driving like 90. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. So let's talk depth. How long, how deep do they live? They're 1,136 to 1,154 meters or 3,727 or to 3,786 feet. It's a narrow margin. <laughs> really? I've read that it was up to um, 9,800 feet deep. Feet, yeah. That's a l- it says in the North this Atlantic, might be it seems to average. have a range in the depth from 500 to 3,000 meters. Uh, maybe the uh, the that's the ver- the ab- above average or below average, however you want to look at it. It says one Canadian Arctic specimen was found in the Davis Strait at a depth of, I think what you were just mentioning, thirty seven hundred to thirty thirty seven twenty seven to thirty seven eighty six. That seems like the average anyway. So let's go with thirty seven hundred feet or three 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 seven eight six. So how many of uh it, <clears throat> how many pelican eel living depths go into the living depth of the deepest living multicellular organism i guess that's an answer of how deep the ocean is we talked is about it? how deep the mariana trench was when we talked about the marinara snail worm or whatever that was y- you think um, it's how deep the ocean is huh maybe well here 
Here's a hint. Halicephalus Mephisto, or the devil worm, is the deepest living multicellular animal, unlike the pelican eel that can be found thousands of feet beneath the waves. The devil worm lives thousands of feet beneath the surface of the earth. I feel like we just need to like cover this animal. It was found in ore deposits and discovered by geologists in 2011. I feel like we should just cover this animal. We should. And there's it, But now it the have, major fact is gone. No, no. Because we don't know how it does this. And I looked up some stuff and it's got some pretty interesting stuff. So does it, it lives beneath the, the surface of the earth, but that depends on its, if it's the surface of land or the surface of the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Yeah, know. probably surface of land. Because I think the Mariana Trench goes pretty dang deep. And I can't for the life of me remember and I'm I, I guess 14,000 feet. Yeah, no. So this has to be like the deepest thing beneath the uh, surface of the earth. So three. My answer is three. Three living depths? Yes. Final answer. Yes. That's exactly correct. Yeah. <laughs> the devil worm lives 2.2 miles. Or 3.5 kilometers beneath the Earth's surface. I'm doing my victory wave. <laughs> so that's a nursing school victory. That's a 100. For sure. It's an engineering school victory. <laughs> uh, you have any fast facts before we get into the biggest of facts? I sure do. So, as you've probably guessed, mm -hmm. this guy lives in the ocean. At the what? bottom of it. <laughs> they, oh, I, um, I have, I'm, I'm covering a different animal, I think. Mine lives in the desert. Your you, lives in Saskatchewan. Um, yeah. Uh, they live mostly near the equator, um, the bottom of the ocean there. But uh, they do live all across the world. One was found near Greenland, as far north as Greenland. And they've also been caught off the coast of Portugal. They're mm. difficult to observe, um, just like many things that live at the bottom of the ocean are difficult to observe. Because if you bring them to the surface, um, the depressurization kills them and deforms them. Um, just like the blobfish that we covered not too long ago um, is, a no is a relatively normal looking fish. But then when you bring it up to the surface, it just kind of explodes outward into this blobby mess mm -hmm. because it's not it's meant to be not uh enduring the crushing pressure of the of the black depths of davy jones locker uh, so they actually have a pretty good sense of smell like i mentioned earlier and thanks to some well developed um olfactory organs they can sense things that are pretty far away um as juveniles juveniles they uh, are transparent and they have no red blood cells. Um, and they they have these they they have a set of longer teeth, and they actually lose these teeth and they're replaced with tiny teeth as adults. My tiny teeth and me. So they do the opposite of us, where we lose our small teeth and get big teeth. Yes, they lose their big teeth and get small teeth. So when you look at this 
guy, they have, um, it looks like it doesn't have any teeth, but they're just small. And I'm going to leave it there. Um, again, there's not a whole lot of information about uh, this guy, and a lot of it is speculative. So, Because mm-hmm. um, they live deep. Because they live deep, and the only person who's allowed to see it is James Cameron. So, <laughs> go for it. Okay. I'm calling this major fact the, she- the sea shovel. Sally sells she shovels. The she shovel was a Marvel show on Disney. She, she, she shovel attorney at law. <laughs> With your credible shovel. <laughs> what would an incredible shovel look like? <laughs> this is a really shiny, good one. But I can't um, believe Pelican. I cannot believe yeah. the shovel. It, it's, it's not a, it, credible. It's a shovel that lies to you. It's an incredible yeah. shovel. It's a shovel that's convex instead of concave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is which just means it's concave on the other side. <laughs> yeah. It's just a back. So it's just a shovel that was put on backwards. <laughs> yeah, and but nobody knows that it was because you, they just think it's a shovel. Yeah. Um, Pelican eels have weird body capability that helps them to survive in an environment where there's not a lot of food to eat. Turns out deep down in the ocean where not a lot of things can live. There's not a lot of things that are living that you can eat. Um, So they have a massive jaw compared to their body. Um, I said it had a big mouth and it certainly does. Their lower mandibles and jaw are much larger than their body length. Uh, they're mostly mouth. Um, even with their tail, their jaw makes up a quarter of their total body. Dang. That's quite a big jaw. Yeah. So their jaw hinge hangs with no body around it. <laughs> like Judas. Nope. No body knows. <laughs> like Judas. Uh, <laughs> Too soon, buddy. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Um, it's lit, like it juts out like a cartoon character. Um, and they open their mouths wide enough to swallow things that are much larger than they are. The flesh around their mouth is stretchy, kind of like a like a pelican, um, but more than more so than a pelican, allowing them to gulp water and inflate like a balloon. Um. <laughs> There's a video of them of uh, some researchers in a diving machine, also called a submarine, um, where they're they're seeing something in the camera and they zoom in on it, and it's just this big round thing with a small grumpy face <laughs> because it's inflated and it's quite funny, and they're they're laughing in it. They're like, "What the heck?" Somebody says it looks like a muppet, and like it, it's also like that goes to show you that's what the deep sea is. Researchers studying the deep sea catch something on camera, zoom in, and they're like, "What is that?" And then somebody's like, "I think it's a gulping eel." And they're like, "Oh yeah, it is." And then they write that down on on a piece of paper, and it becomes and yeah. so it becomes law. <laughs> yeah. Um, likewise, um, they have stretchy stomachs that can expand to fit the size of their large meals, but they mostly eat small things like like crustaceans. Um, since food is scarce down there, 
In the deep, their large, stretchy mouth and large, stretchy stomach allow them to eat a wide variety of food sources. So there's no excuse for things that are too big to eat. There is nothing too big to eat. I'll eat it because it's here. Um, and then when they open wide, they can use their mouths like a net to swallow up large groups of shrimp, crabs, European tourists, um, <laughs> and other fun stuff. I was thinking about Fort Lauderdale Beach, a lot of European tourists there. Um, they can also uh, gulp small invertebrates by uh, gulping in large amounts of water uh, that is then eliminated through their gills. So the, the kind of like... Um, a bait, not like a baleen whale, but like same principle where they'll take in a ton of water and then just get rid of the water. Keep sift, sift the fish like wheat, um, spray out the water, but they whales don't have gills when, uh, when they're young, they feed on marine snow, which we talked about in our, uh, I think it was in our lantern fish episode. Tiny bits of feces and dead cells that descend from the ocean. Detritus. Life. Yeah, detritus. So all the ocean life above, closer to the surface, is just pooping and dying on you. It's delicious. (laughs) Ah, it's snowing. What is it? You just open your mouth and snowflakes land on your tongue. It's, it's it's, It's really magical. It's disgusting, but it's exactly what they do. Um. So they seem to use their mouths like a puffer fish, too, um, ticking in water to expand their body size to intimidate aggressors. <laughs> so imagine, like, uh, somebody comes to rob you and you just, like, fill your mouth with air and you're like, get the heck out of here. Yeah, I think Look Kip Croker does that in big... an episode of Futurama. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um they uh they're they're they they change teeth too because they eat different things um larvae probably eat things that require them to bite uh larger things they can tear chunks off of but these guys eat smaller things that they just kind of gulp into their mouths and swallow well i've got something else um at first, researchers thought they just sat suspended in the water with their mouths open and their oh, and their yeah. lights on um, and waited for food to just kind of wander into their mouths. Um, but they apparently recent studies shown that they might um, be more active. They might lunge at their prey or even actively hunt. Mm-hmm. But they don't know because the ones they pull up are dead and the ones that they see out there are are goofy muppets so <laughs> and okay so now now that's all i got that's all i got all right that that was the pelican eel nice succinct episode uh so for you out there in podcast shine your light stay in your depth and open your abyssal maw to rend the cosmically unknowable fabric of a Lovecraftian nightmares, like the pelican eel here in life.
Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. podcast <laughs> well said on the fly what make... do you call what do you call a superpower that allows you to move seabirds with your mind pelicanesis what <laughs> Pel- pelicanesis oh i thought it was telegulnesis tel- tel- <laughs> tele- tele- that doesn't really work <clears throat> pelicanesis